You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. Uh, I talked about how we would not get a chance to do the preview in before the series started, and uh, I guess Mother Nature decided she'd do me a solid. And I'm not having a game Monday night. It's going to be a doubleheader starting at 3.30 on Tuesday. So we'll get this whole preview in before... Uh, the Indians and the White Sox face off. So, hey, you know, trying to find a silver lining and not having baseball this evening to watch. Uh, let's talk some news at the start. Uh, the White Sox have some news and some moves, but the big one is the Marlins. Um, I talked about it on yesterday's show. We now have, of the 30 plus 3, because you have the three players that travel with you on your taxi squad, 33 players, 11 of them have covid which means that they have to do like the double tests and it could be, you know, two weeks. It could be longer. It could be shorter. We'll have to see. But a third of the Marlins roster is now unavailable to them as well as I think at least two coaches and some of the earlier reports, you know, names were not being released early on, but the reports were that it's some of the bigger names on the roster. So at what point is this a a massive competitive disadvantage? Like the Marlins? Yes. We're probably going to be a bad baseball team this year. They have some interesting talent, but in general, it is a team that's still very much in a rebuild. But if you are Baltimore, I mean, you're hitting this team at the perfect time. They are not ready to deal with this. They are not ready to change this drastically over their roster. Not to mention, like, how this affects your 40-man. Like, you know, I talked about earlier in the year, how do you make a 40-man work in situations like this? Because those 11 players, yes, they come off your 40-man, but then they come back on, and you're having to add other players on. So, I mean, you almost have to sit there and make a rule right now that uh, which would never be allowed because the Players Association isn't going to allow players to be added to a roster ever without being added to the 40-man roster. So what happens? Like, if you're the Marlins, do you just go out and sign a bunch of guys that you're okay, you know, uh, getting exposed? You know, because you're going to have to pull all these guys back off your 40-man later. Uh, are they going to start diving into the basically the free agent pool of what's left out there just so... When players come back, uh, this doesn't cause a situation that absolutely wrecks them. I I have no idea how you handle and juggle a 40-man roster with this situation. I don't know how you don't view this as basically teams are getting to face a triple-A squad for a few weeks. With only a 60-game season, this is a huge advantage to face a team that is decimated. Uh, You know, a decimation would be 10%. This isn't 10%. This is one-third. Uh, you know, the, the the idea of a decimation was 1 in 10. This is 1 in 3. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. And this has been the problem. You know, I, I've been predicting that this would happen. I talked about on the podcast that I was looking forward to our December World Series when the Indians' double-A squad faced the Dodgers' double-A squad because teams are going to get wrecked. There's going to be shutdowns, all of this. And we knew it was coming. It didn't take a lot of intelligence to know this was going to occur. But... Time and time again, the people who run baseball show they just don't have that. Manfred is awful. He cannot do his job. Uh, I know a bubble would have been darn near impossible, but you needed to do something. You needed to figure out a better system than just waiting for it to all blow up. Because it was going to blow up. If you set up a system with very few safeguards, it's going to blow up. They needed to basically have three sites. I talked about that on another podcast. Um, Playing two games a day. And if we have to go a year without StatCast data, we go a year without StatCast data. You figure it out. You make it work. Uh, anyone who doesn't feel like this season's going to be an asterisk, I don't understand you. But especially when we know that 
teams are going to lose their roster for a significant part of the season due to COVID. This is just team one. Uh, we had two games canceled because now the Phillies are at risk as well. So the Phillies and Yankees, uh, Marlins and Orioles. I can't see the Marlins playing Tuesday either. I mean, the Marlins are going to probably have to be shut down for this entire Orioles series. And when do you make that up later? You, in this schedule, you can't. How are you going to figure this out? And when they do adjust their roster, again, just even ignoring the 40-man, it's going to be such a weaker roster that uh, it's, again, a competitive advantage for teams who are facing them after this. Um, like I said, a 60-game season where teams are, you know, the Royals, the Indians had an advantage. Royals had nine players on the DL because of COVID. Again, that is almost a third of their roster. Not all of those players were likely to make the Royals, but there were some significant pieces who were out. Um, the Indians benefited, and that is why, in my mind, I talked about it. anything less than a sweep was going to be a disappointing series because the Royals were a bad team that were made extra bad because of the situation that was going on. We'll see what happens. We'll see where it goes from here. I, I don't know. Again, to me, just the biggest thing is the rosters and how they're going to make it work. Because if you already have a 40-man roster, you have 11 guys you can't access right now. Um, so you had 30 on your roster. Just adding in 11 more guys, and then when guys get healthy, taking them, you know, moving them back is, let's just do the math. You have 11 guys out. You only have... 10 more guys if you have 30 players already on roster 10 more beyond that and 11 are out so you have to now add players who aren't on a 40 man and that means when everyone gets healthy someone has to go away uh it's again i just put this you know the people running baseball spent all this time arguing and fighting and arguing and fighting and all this other stuff and it was very clear that no plan was ever put in place that this was very much all about recouping as much money as possible, uh, just getting the product out there and making money. And it's, you know, I could use some choice language. I won't. I could. But if you think that this Marlins thing is, is something minor, this is the tip of the iceberg. This is the first weekend of the season when we already have a team that's down this much. And that's, like I said, with the Indians facing a Royals team, it was da down nine players. This is just the beginning. Uh we don't have a bubble. Players are going out. You can't affect what they're doing. It's up to them to be mature, responsible adults. But as we all know, a lot of people in life in general are not being mature, responsible adults right now. And before you go, well, it's just a small disease. These are professional athletes. Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, arguably Boston's best starter right now, is currently not with the Boston Red Sox, Red Sox because he developed... Um, a heart condition post-COVID. Because of COVID, he developed a heart condition. So it's not just because you're young that you're going to be 100% safe. There's always risk. And here is a star athlete. Um, I was talking with someone on Twitter today about a 26-year-old soccer player. I mean, soccer players might be the best conditioned athletes on the planet uh, who's been sick 40 days with it. Uh, yes, you can be an at-risk person and be asymptomatic. You can also be someone who's perfectly fit and it can hit you ridiculously hard so it it needs to be treated responsibly um i hope people are not getting mad at me for taking that time to talk about it uh i the much promised chicago white Sox cleveland indians preview is coming up in a second here our brand new fantastic sponsor cbdmd uh if you've gone and checked them out like i have you know they have a wide variety of products not for just you but for you and for your dog 
Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support. Luckily, our friends at CBMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge. The CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient, easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. And the CBD uh, Recover, which combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds uh, to give you the support you need where it matters most. And right now, when you go to CBDMD.com, and you can check out everything they have to offer, when you type on Locked On MLB at checkout, you're going to get 25% off your next order. 25%. That's a huge amount. That's one of the biggest discounts we have ever had from a sponsor. So go to CBMD.com. Use that promo code Locked On MLB. Get 25% off. I'll be honest with you guys. I'm in the process. We just bought our first house. In the process of moving into it, taking a bunch of things over at one time and small shipments. It's been very tempting. I'm probably going to make an order myself soon uh, just because of lower back pain and the such of the fun of a move. We do have some small bits of news to discuss before we get into the White Sox series. First one made me incredibly sad. Corey Kluber diagnosed with a grade 2 Terry's major, Terris major tear. Uh in his the major muscle in his right shoulder and he's gonna have to spend at least a month resting before he can even try to go out and throw so that likely means the soonest we'd see kluber on the mound is september uh i hate that people are using this as well hey the indians won this deal i don't care if the indians win this deal i'm a cory kluber fan i want to see him recover i want to see him continue to pitch awesome i would have loved to have seen him pitch well into his 30s and be a dominant pitcher late and and give himself that chance to be a hall of famer Corey Kluber is the greatest Indians pitcher of my lifetime. I don't think there's a comparison. In my lifetime, he's the greatest Indians pitcher that we've had, and I'm very sad by this. Uh, what I will say, though, is if he is bought out for $1 million, uh, I would love to see the Indians bring him back. He might stay with Texas because that is where he's from, but if you're the Indians, motivated Corey Kluber, and I'm just going to say this, with some of their bullpen problems, and especially if Brad Hand can't recover and they decide to let him go, Imagine closer Corey Kluber. I'm just going to throw that out there. I think it could work. So that's 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 my Indians take. I would love to see that. If he gets bought out, I would love that opportunity to add him in the offseason. For the White Sox, two pieces of news I want to touch on. One, Rick Renteria, who is their manager, is out. COVID testing. So they are without their manager. Joe uh, McEwing is going to be the guy in charge. And on top of that, Reynaldo Lopez, who's been a back end but not a great back end starter is has a shoulder strain he's going to the disabled list they're calling up ian hamilton hamilton was a former day three pick at a or no out of washington state don't want to confuse those he last pitched in the majors in 2018 nothing to write home about decent numbers in the minors didn't pitch much in 2019 so i'm assuming injury but uh walk rate under three strikeout rate nearly 10 so some good production for ian hamilton in the minors they added Ryan Goins, who was let go by the Athletics, which we had seen that waiver claim earlier in the week. And to make space for him, they released uh, Chesler or Cuthbert. So a few changes to that roster. Now let's get into it. Let's talk about this matchup with the Chicago White Sox. We're just going to go through position by position. Who wins? So shortstop. Tim Anderson had a year that was unbelievable and unlike anything we've ever seen from him before. Uh, I don't know what we'll see this year to, you know, it, like, can anything he does this year really make you uh, feel confident or less confident about what he did a year ago? He's a fine shortstop. I don't think he's a spectacular talent. I don't think he's what we saw a year ago. Indians win this position. The Indians are going to win every shortstop comparison from here on out, but they have a very good shortstop. They have a solid shortstop for the White Sox. 
Third base, uh, Juan Moncada. Offensively, he was utterly fantastic a year ago at age 24. Young player, still figuring it out, still having you know some parts and pieces come together. All the talent in the world. For now, I still give the Indians an edge, but it is a closer uh, matchup than many would maybe consider. And in a few years, I think that is one that will go the way of the White Sox. First base, Jose Abreu versus Carlos Santana, a pair of uh, aging first basemen. This should still be advantage Indians. Santana is the better defender. Less power, more on-base skills, more productive bat over the past few years. Again, if you looked at the ESPN Top 10 lists, um, I believe Santana was higher than Abreu on those lists. Yasmani Grandel, a guy who I remember talking about, I wonder if the Indians could get him from the Dodgers when the Luke Croy deal fell apart. Grandel may be one of the most underappreciated players of his era, his lifetime. The Indians were supposedly you know, strongly considering drafting him uh, the year they took uh, Drew Pomeranz, and Grandel slid to the Reds. It was one of those crazy picks. Uh, also had a lot of rumors for him to the Royals who took Christian Colon. That didn't work out. Grandel has bounced around. He's been with a few organizations, but he is maybe the best complete uh, package at catcher, even ahead of Real Muto, because his pitch framing is up there with Roberto Perez. He frames so incredibly well. Offensive production is always top two amongst catchers. Not as good offensively as Real Muto, and maybe not as good of an arm, but his ability to frame is up there with anyone else. Fantastic addition by the White Sox. Just a fantastic player. Uh, they win that position. So right now the Indians were up 3-0, 3-1. Perez is a, is a fantastic player in his own right. You could argue that this is the best defensive matchup amongst catchers that you'll see all year with those two guys. Edwin Encarnacion is the DH listed. Uh, for the Indians, it's Fran Mill Reyes. Based on what we've seen early on, this might be a bit more of a push. I would think that Fran Mill has a, a little bit more upside, a little bit more power potential. We just haven't seen that performance. And last year, Encarnacion had a fantastic rebound year. It was the more productive of the two players. I could see someone going either way. I could even see someone saying that the White Sox have the edge here. My general feel, though, is push. So 3-1-1. From there, we move to right field, and right field is the whole situation where the Indians have this platoon that's really good, and right now the White Sox have Nicky Delmonico. Uh, not ideal, but that's because, you know, they went out and added uh, Nomar Mazara, and he's hurt. Undisclosed injury uh, has not been released anywhere I've seen. They don't have him with the ability to play. It really kind of puts them behind the eight ball in that position. Jordan Luplo, Daniel Johnson, I'll take that uh, every day of the week over what the White Sox currently have at that position. And I'm not a big Mazzara guy. Uh, even if he was healthy, I would be tempted to lean the Indians' way in general. So 4-1-1. Should we go to left field? Eloy Jimenez versus uh, Bradley Zimmer, Domingo Santana, however you want to put it. Dodgers. The White Sox win that one. Uh, Jimenez might have his issues with uh, with his defense and the like. Sorry, I just saw that he has listed as ill for Monday, but uh, likely to play uh, the rest of this week, maybe. We'll see. Now I have to go look up what's wrong with Eloy Jimenez. But either way, he his bat is a huge advantage. Um, he had a concussion that he was diagnosed with, and that was his issue. Um, so he wouldn't start Monday against Cleveland. There's a chance he will not play in this series that does present an advantage for Cleveland because the White Sox um, would be already down one outfielder. They don't have a lot of great choices in that current situation. So advantage, 
uh, Cleveland currently. If he can't play, if Jimenez can play, it's advantage White Sox. We're going to assume that he plays. So that gives them uh, a two. So we got three, two, one. Center field, Louis Robert versus Mercado. I'm going to go with Robert. Now, I wasn't a huge fan of his a year ago. Anyone who saw my White Sox top 10 prospect list, I got nervous with the high failure rate of high priced international talent. Um, specifically, the Cuban talent market has been really bad in terms of player production and the money that you invest paying off. In this case, it worked. He looks like a future star. The White Sox locked him up for a very long time. He is loaded with tools, clear advantage so far at that position. So we are at a 4-3-1 right now. The one push, three to the White Sox, four for the Indians. Uh, second base, uh, Lieri Garcia against uh, Cesar Hernandez. Now, if Nick Madrigal is playing every day, I, I love, love, love Nick Madrigal. I could see him instantly being the better player. But uh, he's not currently, I believe, on their roster even. So when you're doing Garcia, who's bounced around and been a backup at best his whole career versus Hernandez, that is an advantage Indians. So we end up with five positions for the Indians, three for the White Sox, those three being center field, left field, and uh, catcher, and then the one push at the DH position. When we move over to bullpen, clear advantage, White Sox. Uh, very, very clear advantage. And they've gone out and they've been aggressive, and that's what they've done. You know, they Aaron Bummer, they developed, but they traded for Alex uh, Colme. They signed Steve Chesick. They went out and added guys like Evan Marshall and Kelvin Herrera, who have had success. And they'll keep trying to develop guys. I've been a big Jimmy Lambert guy for a while. I hope he gets an opportunity. I think I had him number two in their system, maybe number three uh, a year ago this time when I wrote a piece. So I, I think he's a really interesting pitcher for them. I hope he gets an opportunity. The top of their pen is just light years better than Cleveland's. Um, it, the Chisick bummer, Colome beats anything the Indians can roll. So then that gives a fourth position. And then starting pitching. So you have Lucas Giolito, who was just an absolute stud a year ago. Dallas Keiko, who is kind of more of a 3-4 at best. With Ronaldo Lopez out, you're bringing in Gio Gonzalez, who is soon to be 35. Pitched 80 innings last year. Was very effective for the Brewers, but not someone you necessarily feel great about in your rotation this year, just in terms of his production over the last few years. Dylan Cease, the young fireballer, has not uh, quite established himself yet. We'll see what occurs there. And then Carlos Rondon, I thought he should have been the first overall pick the year he was drafted. I thought that was a fantastic pick. And it's, again, just very weird to me that for all the pitching that they have developed and all the guys that have come through, that, you know, Aaron Bummer was a 19th rounder. Lucas Giolito was not the primary piece. He might have been the tertiary piece in the Adam Seaton deal at that point in time. Some of those other players that have come up through this system and been successful, that Carlos Rondon, who was an extremely high pick, and Carson Fulmer, who was a high pick as well, are the ones that don't work out. Very, For some whatever reason, they struggle with the, the high-end pitching development and seem to do better with kind of the lesser guys. Not a great sign with their first-round pick this year, Garrett Crochet, but we will see... Uh, what they can do with him going forward. But you look at those guys. Giolito is in a class of himself amongst these arms. But if Carlos Carrasco is starting to rebound into form, the Indians' top two blows away their top two. Like The the, the gap between Clevenger and Keuchel is huge. 
Uh, I mean, you can make a case that Giolito is the third best arm, and I think I would make the case that Giolito is the third best arm in this series. And then I would put Carrasco with the fourth best arm. I might be tempted to put Saval... I'd probably put Keuchel at five just because of the history, but Saval is probably going to be next. Um, that's it. You're putting most of the Indians' rotation before you even get to the third starter for the White Sox, so the Indians have the advantage in starting pitching. I like the White Sox a lot. I've loved their drafts over the years. Uh, they have some very nice people in their draft and development. I've gotten to know a few uh, people in the White Sox organization over the years. It's a great group of people. Dane Dunning, I'm hoping we'll see at some point for them this year. Nick Magical. Andrew Vaughn sooner than later. Michael Kopech opting out. You know, he probably wasn't going to pitch very late into this year anyways, but that does hurt them. Jared Kelly, Garrett Crochet, interesting arms. Love Jonathan Stever. When they drafted him, his uh, his arrow has just gone up every single year. I believe Indiana was who he was pitching at the time. I was to my own horn. I think I was a high man on him when he was coming out in that class. Zach Collins is on their roster. Backup. I'd love to see Jake Berger stay healthy. Loved him when he was at Missouri State, but the guy's been... He has been like one of the, he's the long lost Zimmer brother when it comes to the ability to stay healthy. This is a team that this is year one of going forward. Watch the White Sox. I think they'll probably make the postseason just because they have a lot of talent and we're going to have a huge postseason. I think they're third in the division though. It is a good team. It is a team that is on the rise. If a White Sox fan is listening to this because they're curious to hear what the other half thinks, get ready for fun because it's a really good minor leagues. They're locking up their talent. They've always had a history of pitcher uh, development success. They have a lot of pieces in place. Now it's just about expanding out, letting the talent rise up, joining what's there, and just keep developing. Don't rush it. But yeah, this should be another chance. We talked about Cease first of all. I would lean to the, towards the Indians. Tuesday's game is a toss-up, and then well, that's definitely not right because it has. Uh, I was looking at roster resources just because it's nice to have all the listings there. They have Zach Plesac pitching on both Tuesday and Wednesday. Wednesday's the Bieber matchup, so I would think. Well, now we don't have a Monday matchup, so I, I as long as all the pitching matchups stand, the afternoon game tomorrow the Indians should win. I consider it a push for Tuesday evening, and the Indians should win Wednesday's game, just in terms of they have the more talented roster right now. For as much as I do he and ha about the Indians, their overall talent is pretty high. They do have some positions where they are better than the majority of baseball. And, you know, they'll get that opportunity to show it. We'll hopefully have two games to talk about tomorrow. Two wins, maybe, by the time I record. That would be awesome. This one went a little bit long. Uh, you know, I had the talk at the front about COVID and the Marlins and then trying to do a whole series breakdown. I hope everyone's enjoying. I'm not hearing as much of late. Our numbers are fantastic, though, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, If you're telling friends, if you're having other people that you're like, hey, check out this podcast, Um, I really do appreciate all of that. I can't thank the fan base enough. You are all fantastic. I have been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. And as always, go Tribe.